Now, I, I do want to share with you, uh, I, I normally start off with a story, and so I looked one up. I couldn't remember if I said this story before. So if I did, don't give away the punchline. Have you ever heard punchline or ever heard a story and you go, I already know this one? Well, don't tell people that you know this one yet, okay? So this guy, this very wealthy man, he was having a party at his house. And he invites all the people in town, including... And I, I hope this is not wrong to say, but this is what this story is. This redneck, and if you know what a redneck is. Anyway, this guy that was kind of like different, Kilroy. They, he invited everybody, even Kilroy. And as Kilroy and all the people came to the party and everything, they were having a great time at the party, watching games, drinking and, and uh, having a good time, barbecue. And the rich man announces on a loudspeaker, he says, ladies and gentlemen, I have a pool back downstairs. And in it, I have a 30-foot man-eating alligator in my pool. Whoever's brave enough to jump in the pool and kill the alligator, I'll give him a million dollars. Everyone looked interested, but nobody made a move. You can imagine what it would be like. Suddenly, there's a big splash. Everyone turns around, and there's Kilroy. Kilroy's in the pool with the alligator, slapping him in the face and biting him on the tail and grabbing a hold of him and trying to, trying to do whatever he can. And then all of a sudden, they both dive underwater. And the alligator floats belly up to the top of the water. He's dead. Kilroy jumps out of the pool, bleeding, just tore up really bad, limping. The rich man goes over to Kilroy, sticks out his hand, and says, I want to congratulate you. I guess I owe you a million dollars. Kilroy says, no, I don't want a million dollars. He says, well, would you at least take half a million dollars? Kilroy again says, no, I don't want half a million dollars. Confused, the rich man finally looks at him and says, would you please take a quarter of a million dollars, $250,000? Kilroy said, I don't want your money. The rich man says, well, Kilroy, you've stumped me. What do you want? Kilroy says, I want the name of the guy that pushed me in the pool. Now, this is just an introduction to say sometimes things happen that we don't have control over, and we have to trust God that he's prepared us to be ready to take care of the situations that we're going to be battling in. God help each one of us because every day we're in a battle. We're in a battle for relationships. We're in a battle for family. We're in a battle for 
our own inadequacies and the things that we know that we don't do well and we want to do better at, we are in a battle. And God wants us to be prepared for that battle. Now, I do want to share with you that we're going to be looking in a very small book, um, a book that not very many people look at, and uh, I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon on it. I may have. I just don't remember. And um, this is the book of, and how, if, um, if you've never said this word, it's kind of a fun word to say, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. It's in the Old Testament. I want to give you some history. Habakkuk, if, uh, and Josiah's got a, a picture up here. I want to show you an image of things that um, the kings of Israel. Now, if you look over here, there's two different sides. There's kings of Judah and kings of Israel. If you remember, after David, Israel split into two separate kingdoms. I want you to look at what happened on the kings of Israel's side. All these kings, when they looked through every single one of them, all of them were bad kings. Have you ever known people that they're drawn to do wrong things? And you just can't get through them to get into the right frame of mind to change and they just keep going down the same path. Kings of Israel, all bad. Over here on the left side was the kings of Judah. You see here inter interspersed between these are good kings and bad kings. We're going to look at around this time. Josiah, Jehoshaphat, and Jehoiakim, and Jehoiachin, these are the ones that we're looking at. Now, I want you to know that this book is written, written during that time. Hezekiah. It was probably written during the time of Jehoiakim. Babylon, you see down at the bottom, Babylon, Babylonian captivity, 70 years. Before this, before, before Josiah, the Babylonians conquered Nineveh and the Assyrians in 612 B.C. In 587 B.C., finally, Babylon conquered Jerusalem. Now, Josiah lived for, reigned for 31 years. Thirty-one years. Now, when you see here, you see good, bad, 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 bad. I want you to think about this. Have there ever been times in your life where it seems like everything's going good, and all of a sudden it turns bad, and then it just keeps getting bad? Hezekiah was living during this age because he was, first of all, living under King Josiah. 
you ever want to read a, an, an encouraging story, you want to look at Josiah and um, the story of King Josiah and what he did for the kingdom was amazing. But this Hezekiah earned his living as a prophet. So he was in the ruling area. He was in the, um, in the tabernacle. He was a part of uh, the, the spiritual leadership of, uh, of the kingdom at this time. I want you to look at me with me in Hezekiah chapter 1. Now, the, the title of the sermon this morning is, uh, Is It Okay to Ask God Why? Now, you may say, oh, God knows everything, and so we don't need to ask because God already knows it. And, but I believe that there are times when we don't understand and we want, to, we want God to help us to trust him more. And so we're going to be looking at Hezekiah chapter 1. And we're going to be starting with verse 1. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. Therefore, the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll be with us this morning to understand what Habakkuk was trying to say and what he was going through. Please draw us close to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I want you to think about what, what Hezekiah, Hezekiah, what Habakkuk is saying here. Habakkuk is saying, O oh God, how long am I going to have to be in this misery? So this is not, yours is not the first prayer that God has heard. Why do I have to go through this? Why don't you just get rid of my enemies? The people that are against me. Why did I just get fired from my job? Why didn't I get that job that I wanted? Why do I struggle with my finances from week to week, to month to month, and it seems I can never get ahead? Why did I get sick? Why do I have to go to the hospital? Aren't you going to take care of me? Why did you let that happen? Why did you let the people that I was close to pass away? 
how long are we going to cry? And it seems like God doesn't hear us. The name Habakkuk is derived from a verb to embrace. He who clings, who draws close. It's an appropriate name because he's asking these questions, but he's still grabbing on to God. It's hard sometimes to keep holding on when you feel like everything is going against you. But Habakkuk here shows that even within his name, he is one who clings to what God has. So in verse 3, it says, why do you show me iniquity? The first thing that I have, and remember I have three things that I usually say. First, God shows us that there's a problem. Have you ever felt like there's a problem and nobody sees it but you? This is what Habakkuk says. Now, I can share with you a story, and I hope that Phyllis won't get mad at me when I share this story. But I'll tell you what, there have been many times that she has saved my bacon. Because... Don't you get sometimes to where you look at something and you look at something and you look at something and you're like, there's nothing wrong. And somebody comes up and says, what's that there for? And you go, I didn't see that before. My daughter and my wife are very good at that with me. Dad, did you find that piece of paper? I can't find it. I've looked all over for it. Did you look on the table? Oh, yeah, I looked on the table. Is this the one you want? Yeah, that's the one I want. Where was it at? It was on the table. Have you ever been looking for keys and you can't find the keys and somebody just walks up and picks them up? Anyway, my story is about this past week. We're, we're ending up the books for the year for the church and uh, Phyllis has been so kind to just check over my numbers and everything. And so I, um, I give her the report for the, next, for the last month, and, and it was off. I knew it was off by $30, but I couldn't figure out where it was at. And the first thing that she did was, well, did you look at this check and this thing? And she, boom, pulled it out right there. And um, she even told me this morning, she goes, there's just some things that I look for right away. And uh, so I'm thankful for people that see things when we don't see them. But have you ever seen something that you didn't, you didn't realize was there and then all, or, or nobody else realized it, and you're the only one that sees it as a problem? He says, why do you show me iniquity? So first of all, God shows us a problem. Shows us that there's something in our life that doesn't quite match up. Something that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing. Some, something that's involved in our life that we're wondering, why is everything going bad? And then all of a sudden God says, have you been praying? Have you been uh, showing love towards others? Have you forgiven this person? Different things God may be showing us of where there are problems but God shows us that there's a problem. Number one, 
and, and he shows us this problem and we don't even have to if when when we think about what the problems that there are in life we don't have to search very far to find problems you turn on the tv they talk about all the problems you get the newspaper they talk about what the problems are you hear on your phones what the problems are we don't have to search very far to find that there's violence and problems that we can't control. And he says, why do you show me these things and don't do anything about them? God, why do you show me that there's a problem and yet I don't see you lifting a finger to do something to remedy it? You know, there may be problems out there that we don't, we are not taking care of ourselves. And maybe it's because God is saying, there's a problem, I want you to solve it. So sometimes there's problems in our own life and we say, why is there a problem? And we look at this problem and then we go, oh. What are some reasons why there might be problems in our life? God wants to keep us humble and to realize that we are not perfect. God wants to keep us submissive so that when we, when we go into the problems and we realize it, we have someone that we can look to and we can say, God, I need your help because I can't do this on my own. Why does he allow problems to happen? Because he wants us to value forgiveness and salvation in our own lives. You know, sometimes we get so hard on ourselves because of what we've done or what we haven't done. And God wants us to realize that he loves us and he's offered us salvation and given us forgiveness so we can be close to him. So why does God allow us to see problems in our own lives? Those three things, keep us humble, keep us submissive, and help us to value what he's done for us in the past. But not only do we see problems in our own lives, but we see problems in other people's lives. So why does God allow us to see problems in other people's lives that we can't do anything about? Or we don't feel like we should step in and do anything? I believe that God allows us to see things in other people's lives to help us to realize that it could have been us that's going through the situation that they're going through that God's blessed us in a way that we should be thankful for. He, I think he allows us to see things in other people's because of, to see that there's a wickedness of sin, to see that we might pass it also, but we cannot indulge ourselves in it. 
do you ever do you ever realize that you have to think ahead before you do something um, I went to somebody's house and there were things that were happening that I didn't agree with but immediately I thought what is my response I could have responded this is wrong you shouldn't be doing this I'm gonna leave your house now because of the way that you're acting would that have solved anything no I could have said you know if you were a good person you would do like this would that have solved anything all I can do is to say I know that there's wickedness out there dear God help me to be a vessel to help that person draw close so I've already talked to my wife about something that I'm going to be doing to try and help the situation and as I shared with her that she suggested some other things we need wise counsel especially when we have loved ones that we're trying to help to show God to and how we should respond and how we should act so God allows us to see things in other people because of the wickedness of sin and see that we didn't have to have it he also helps us to it helps us to admire that even though they may be going through something God's grace is still bigger no matter what they're going through there is no no problem of God saying I want to be in their lives too we cannot say they are hopeless they are disposable God wants us to love all people he wants us to also understand that it's not over we still need to serve and we need to extend God's kingdom to other people Charles Haddon Spurgeon was a preacher in the 1800s and he said these words all my brethren we need to know more of evil more of the evil of men to make more of us earnest in seeking their salvation for if there be anything in which the church is lacking more than any matter it's the matter of earnestness God wants us to be about the fact of helping people no matter how far they are away to be drawn to God so he is still asking Lord why are you allowing this to happen why why is this going on so why are my loved ones falling away why is sin so popular in today's society I hate to watch the news I hate to see all the things that are so negative there's been a shooting or there's been a mugging or there's been a young girl that's got pregnant I I, I just want to scream how do people sleep at night knowing that they're in their sin and saying that it's okay here's what I believe I believe that they justify it within themselves for whatever reason. 
as to why they are allowed to live in sin and it's okay. God answers, I want to be a part of your life. But if they justify it and they sleep like there's no problems, there's nothing that we can do to help them to see that. It has to be up to God. They could even be saying, there's a different way. That's how I grew up. That's how everybody does it. Until we know a different way, we're going to do the way that we've learned. And there have many, been many people that have learned the wrong way. And here's what he says then. In verse, in verse 5, jumping down to the next scripture, verses 1 through 4 was, why is this happening? He's asking God. Now we see his reply, God's reply to Habakkuk for what this is, why this is going on. He says, verse 5, Look among the nations and watch, be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you, I am raising up the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. What? Why would you answer like that? I ask you, why aren't you fixing my problems? And you say, you're going to send more problems? God's answer just didn't seem fair or didn't seem right. Why is this happening? Why are you letting the Chaldeans, who are a wicked and hateful uh, group of people, conquer us? Why? Why aren't you fixing our problems instead of making it worse? Why is this happening? Why aren't you judging the Chaldeans for what they've done? Why aren't you criticizing them and making them be held accountable for their wrongdoings? They are strong. They are mighty. They are going to take over your nation. Habakkuk was troubled because there was no judgment against Judah. Why are the people sinning like this? Dear God, do something about it. God comes back, I will do something about it. This is what I'm going to do. Why are you doing it that way? Sometimes our attitudes, we just can't be pleased. God's trying to help to get us to a certain place, and we are saying, do it my way. There was no judgments against Judah. There was no judgment against the Chaldeans. So we wonder, why is this happening? 
Why do you have to do it this way, Lord? Have you, asked, have you ever asked God, why did he do something a certain way? Why did he allow something to happen? We don't understand the things of God. And as I've tried to understand, especially with this past year, with, with uh, losses in our family, um, and I know that many of you have had losses also, um, it's just frustrating to think, why, why did this have to happen? I want to trust God, but I say, why does this happen? And I, it keeps coming back to me. He, he says, you don't know how things are. When you get to heaven, your eyes are going to be opened and you're going to see things more clearly. Have you ever been told something that you didn't believe was going to happen, then it happened just the way that it was told you that it was going to do, happen? Um, if you remember the story about, um, that I shared earlier about um, the guy who jumped in the pool, sometimes we're put in situations that we don't know are coming, and then all of a sudden we're asking, why God, why did this happen, and how am I going to deal with it? God's been preparing us all this time to draw close to him and to understand what he wants for us is our trust in his decisions. So God help us to be able to get to the place to where we say, I'm not going to trust in my own way, but I'm going to trust in what God wants. Now, does that mean all hands off? I don't have to do anything now. God's in control. No matter what I do, he's going to do whatever he wants. That's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying that our prayers mean much, if you remember two weeks ago when I preached. Why do we pray? Because God is listening for our prayers. But we see here that Habakkuk just didn't get it. And you see here on that picture of the good kings and bad kings you see how there was one good king and everything was going good and then all of a sudden there was bad kings bad things happen and there's nothing that we can do about it people make decisions that affect other people's lives that we can't do anything about but God says he wants us to be a kind of person that trusts him now I got a question for you some people, when they face crises, they face them the wrong way. They glow, go away from the church. They say, I'm not going to go anymore. Or they start saying, I'm just going to look online and see and, and do it whenever I can. Or others just even give up on God altogether. And they don't do anything. Lloyd-Jones gives us a better response. So my question to you is, are you one of these four people? When you respond to issues that are problems in your life, are you a blurter? Blurter. What's a blurter? A blurter is someone who just says whatever's on their mind. Blech. 
and they don't think about it. They don't think about the impact. They just blurt it out. Are you a blurter? Sometimes being a blurter can get us in trouble. Are you a thinker? Do you think about what's going to happen and what you're going to say and then say it, but you think you have a short amount of time that you can think about this because they're looking for a response? Or are you a dweller? A dweller is someone who has to think about it for the next three days before they give you a response. By then, the issue may already be resolved and they didn't have to do anything because somebody just dwelled on it a long time. Or are you number four, a gossiper? You hear the situation, you then feel like you need to tell everybody what's going on. And you spread it all over and let everybody make their own decisions. One of those ways is a way that many people deal with situations in their life. But Lloyd-Jones says this. He says, stop and think. Before you talk about it, think about it. Make sure of what you're going to say is the right thing to say. Restate basic principles in your life. Restate issues that you know, this is how I want to live, this is the way I want to be. As you think about the problem, don't begin with the problem. Go further back to your principles of how you're going to live your life and how God is going to deal with this situation. Number three, apply those principles, how you want to live, to the problem. Now think about your problem in the light of what those principles are and how you're going to live. And number four, commit the matter to God in faith. Don't respond. Commit it to God and pray that he will help you to say the right thing. Now, now you see here that the first thing was we asked, Habakkuk asked God why. The second thing was God answered. Here's the third thing. Chapter 2, verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand my watch. This is Habakkuk talking again. And set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. Habakkuk said, Here's the problem. Here's God's answer. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stand my watch. I'm going to do what I've been trained to do. I'm going to stand and be firm in what I believe is the right thing to do. Habakkuk has raised two important questions. 
The question is, what will we do? And he says, I will watch and I will wait. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard to watch and to wait. Habakkuk had no right to believe that he could control what God was going to do. But he had the right to say, God, help me to understand and help me to trust in you. I pray that the situations that each one of us are going through are things that we can say, I will watch and I will wait because I'm trusting in you, God. I want your will to be done. No matter what the situation is, no matter what I'm going through, I will trust in you. We have to answer. The, the third point, if I didn't say it, was we have to accept God's answer. God shows us a problem. God says what he's going to do about the problem. And then we have to answer. We have to accept God's answer. Because we want wisdom, don't we? We want the wisdom of what God's going to show us. And this may seem like a surprise after all God's done. He, he was, Habakkuk was with Josiah and they had seemingly done some great things and it was many years, 31 years of great time in the kingdom. It's only, it's only understandable that, that Habakkuk would say, why did this happen? You see, if we are not fighting to move forward, then we are sliding backwards. We've got to keep pushing. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, I press, I push toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I push, I continue to strive forward. We got to be fighting for holiness in our churches. There's a continual inertia that's pulling us away, that's pulling our young people away, pulling our pastors away, pulling our Christian believers away. Certainly we see in Christian communities that many churches are in disarray. Statistics say that about 75% of youth fall away from their faith in college and never return. 1,700 pastors leave the ministry each month. We have churches making all kinds of moral compromises because they want to be a church that's accepting. And they say, I want to let everybody in. And they disregard scripture. God help us to stand firm on the scripture. We don't want to see the decay in our families and in our relationships. God help us to stand firm. Would you please stand with me